yeah, they give me comfort as well. Um, you know, I think we're tempted when we are bruised emotionally or spiritually to think that we're worthless and to assume that Jesus has that same opinion of us and yeah. that uh, that he might want to just get rid of us and throw us out and be yeah. done with us. But here in God's word, he's saying, no, <laughs> mm -hmm. that is not my disposition towards you. I love you. Mm -hmm. And if you're bruised, I will not break you. That's right. I will keep you. I will mend you. Welcome back to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor, and I'm here in the office with Pastor Daniel. It's good to have you here, brother. It's good to be here with you, brother. Well, we've entered into the Advent season as we're thinking about the first coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the season, you know, as families, we have different family rituals and habits. And so just to kind of kick us off, Pastor Daniel, mm -hmm. what is your family favorite Christmas movie to watch in this season and why? Well, we... Um... We just started watching Christmas movies again. Uh, we watched uh, kind of an older one, The Santa Claus, just this past week. Just kind of a fun little family movie. My personal favorite is The Grinch. It's because I've always been a fan of Jim Carrey, you know, sharing a last name with one of his characters, Ace Ventura. I've always been a Jim Carrey fan, and I like <laughs> The Grinch. It's a, it's a fun one, and I think he's great in it. So that's probably one of my favorites. I think it's actually probably my kids, too, because we at least watch it two or three times a Christmas season. So I'm sure we'll watch that one again soon. How about you? That is a fun one. Yeah. As a family, we love to watch The Elf. It's one of our <laughs> favorites with comedian Will Ferrell. It's just a lot of fun. So almost every year we watch that. A few years ago, the movie uh, that really kind of moved my heart is the classic 1946 movie, It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart. Have you seen that one? Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. Oh, so yeah. good. Yeah, when Ariana and I first watched it a few years back, Man, I was literally bawling at the end. Just yeah. tears are pouring out. Such good reminder in that movie that joy is not found by following our dreams, but by following Jesus and enjoying the good blessings that he gives us in life, mm -hmm. our family, our friends, and yeah, the simple joys of life that he gives us. Yeah, it's just a wonderful movie. Now, in addition to movies that we might be watching as families, and I want to encourage our listeners, our church family, to also dedicate time in their family devotions to some Advent readings. And in particular, last year, we purchased as a church copies of Paul David Tripp's daily Advent devotional, Come Let Us Adore Him. And we have quite a few extra copies of that. And so if you are not already uh, reading through that book, if you don't have it yet, then let us know on Sunday and we'll make sure that you get a copy so that we can together daily read about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and what we're celebrating in this season. Now, Pastor Daniel, what is our Advent series that we've entered into as a church for our preaching series? And where did you start us off this past Sunday? Yes, well, we're continuing in on Isaiah. Um, we're enjoying going through the prophet Isaiah. And in Isaiah in particular, in that second part of Isaiah, that part of comfort, we come across these four servant songs, which are really unique in Isaiah. They they point us specifically to the mission of Christ. And, and we know that because the New Testament often looks back on these servant songs in different parts of Christ's ministry and shows how they are explicitly referring to him. And so we're looking at these servant songs with our New Testament Christ-centered eyes, and we're considering who Jesus is and what he came to do from 
uh, the servant songs of Isaiah. And so the first one we looked at was Isaiah 42 this past Sunday, verses 1 through 9. And that one was a, a beautiful one that shows that this servant of the Lord Jesus is the only one who could bring into this world uh, lasting justice and true peace, right? Things that we long for as human beings. We see that it's not found ultimately through the nation of Israel, this lasting justice and peace, or through people like Cyrus, but it's through this servant of the Lord Jesus. And that's uh, really good news for the people in Isaiah's day, and that's really good news for us today as well. Yeah, remember in the sermon you mentioned that we're so tempted to go for cheap substitutes in order to try and secure peace and lasting joy and comfort and uh, justice in life. But what Isaiah is showing us that only the servant of the Lord, chosen and sent by the Lord himself, is capable of giving us that justice and that peace that we so long for. Yeah, in the, in the verses right before Isaiah 42, um, God speaks of, the, the nations and he in or sorry he speaks of the idols and he says in verse 29 behold they are all a delusion their works are nothing their metal images are an empty wind and that's the verse that comes right before Isaiah 42 which opens up with another behold right behold my servant but it's in contrast to yeah the cheap substitutes the idols that we often look to in the world uh, to save us to give us comfort and peace and salvation and security God is saying behold what those things truly are they're nothing an empty wind but now behold my servant, right? And then he holds before us Christ. Hmm. Pastor Daniel, is there any vivid imagery in this text that helps us see uh, what it's telling us, especially who this servant of the Lord would be and his character? Yeah, you know, there's many things that um, the servant song here tells us about Jesus. And one of the ones that stands out to me, which is kind of unique, is verse 2. It says, He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. And uh, there we might think of, you know, the humility of Jesus and how he didn't draw sinful attention to himself when he was here on earth. You know, he wasn't um, on the scene immediately just kind of barking out orders at everybody. Mm. He wasn't like Cyrus, you know, wielding his, his power and his influence in this outwardly showy way. But Jesus comes onto the scene of human history in such humility and for most of his life, he lives a, a hidden life, a quiet life, a humble life. You know, this verse doesn't mean that Jesus won't preach or teach in the streets or that he won't call others to be preachers of his gospel. But it's talking about how he doesn't draw this sinful attention to himself, but he he's marked by humility. I think that's just such a beautiful point that not only contrasts the servant of the Lord Jesus to people like Cyrus, but even to, you know, today in our own culture where we are tempted into church to, you know, things like celebrity culture in the church and building platforms and brands, or we're tempted to, you know, look to people in politics and their, you know, charisma and their their influence. And we're so attracted to characters, right? Big characters. And and here's Jesus, God in human flesh. And, and Isaiah says, this is what he's marked by, such humility. It reminds me of a passage you mentioned in Matthew 12, where Matthew quotes from this very prophecy in Isaiah, Jesus had just healed a number of people and he ordered them not to make him known. He remained quiet and sort of hidden, didn't want his name to be spread abroad to engender a false sense of fame. That's not what his purpose was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Matthew quotes this passage and he says it was to fulfill 
what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Here is Jesus going around healing people, but not in order to make a name for himself, but to serve. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Yeah, it's just a remarkable thing to see. Yeah. Yeah, and this servant here, uh, he's not only marked by that humility, but you know he is empowered by God, right? Verse 1, the Lord says, I put my spirit upon him. And later on in this passage, the Lord will speak about calling him and taking him by the hand. The servant is equipped by the spirit and the father delights in his son. He says, this is the one in whom my soul delights. And so in many ways, we, we see our kind of Trinitarian salvation here, right? The, the delight of the father, the equipping of the spirit, uh, the faithfulness of the servant here, all working to do what? To bring justice to this earth, uh, to bring God's blessing back into this world. And so there's so much beautiful imagery here that's pointing to our to our salvation during the Advent season. That's right. I remember in your sermon, you mentioned how the Father, God the Father, showed his delight over his son, like Isaiah is speaking of, two times when we see him baptized in the Jordan River by John the baptizer. And then the voice comes from heaven. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And also at his transfiguration where he adds, listen to him. And so we find that the father delights in his son, very much like what Isaiah is saying here. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. Mm-hmm. And then also the very next verse, like you said, this Trinitarian aspect to it. I have put my spirit upon him. And we see in the gospel accounts, the spirit upon the servant of the Lord, Jesus Christ. We, we can think of in two specific times. First, at his holy conception, mm. uh, when he was conceived by the overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit, miraculously, in the virgin's womb. And then also at his baptism, when the when the Spirit descended upon him in the, in the form of the dove. And how that was speaking about the Spirit coming and resting upon him to empower him to fulfill his mission as our Messiah, as the servant of the Lord. Yeah. And I, I like the phrase that I've heard you use in different settings of uh, strong gentleness. And that's what we do see in Jesus, right? This humility and this gentleness, but this strength as well as he is equipped by the Spirit. But using, right, that power and using that, that the, the, the ways in which he has been strengthened uh, to serve other people. And as we'll look at, you know, later on, that's, that's the path that we're to follow as well as Christians. Amen. Yeah. So how would you say, Pastor Daniel, this truth in this passage is renewing and reshaping your heart? In what ways is it comforting you? The the comfort that I find in this first servant song is especially found in, in verse 3, where it says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. You know, and that's imagery that highlights how the Christian at times can be very fragile in this world, right? Reeds are not known for their strength. They're, you know, tall, grass-like plants that grow up next to the wetlands and they're easily knocked over, right, by the wind or by animals or people. And, you know, reeds, if if they break, they can't rebuild themselves like other plants, right? They're, they're very fragile and vulnerable. And it's a text that shows, you know, Jesus, this servant, when he sees a bruised reed amongst his people, uh, he doesn't just, you know, pick those reeds off of his garden and keep everything nice and tidy, but he is the savior who gives strength to his people, you know, strength to, to people like me when I'm when I'm bruised, especially by my own foolishness, my own sin, um, or just by circumstances in life, whatever those might be. 
um, remembering that that this servant that I worship, Jesus, is the kind of savior that when I call out to him, he won't break me when I'm bruised, right? But he has promised to to fortify and to strengthen his people always. And so, um, you know, texts like that give me great comfort. Yeah, they give me comfort as well. Um, you know, I think we're tempted when we are bruised emotionally or spiritually to think that we're worthless and to assume that Jesus has that same opinion of us and yeah. that uh, that he might want to just get rid of us and throw us out and be yeah. done with us. But here in God's word, he's saying, no, <laughs> that is not my disposition yeah. towards you. I love you. Mm-hmm. And if you're bruised, I will not break you. That's right. I will keep you. I will mend you. The Puritan Richard Sibbs says this of this passage. Jesus is a physician who is good at healing all diseases, especially at binding up a broken heart. He died so that he might heal our souls with the plaster of his own blood and save us by that death, which we caused ourselves by our own sins. Mm -hmm. We have this great comfort that he will not cast us out, but he will heal us Mm -hmm. and mend us. He is the great physician and even our hearts and our souls belong to him as well. Amen. Yeah, that's that's Isaiah 53, right? By his stripes, we have been healed. And yeah, that death of Jesus shows us not only his willingness to take away all of our sin, but, you know, it shows us that he has come to bring total healing to our life, body and soul. And um, you see that obviously in Jesus's ministry, him fortifying bruised reeds, right? As people come to him with with sickness and with sin and with struggles, Jesus doesn't turn them away, but he, he shows forth healing and his kingdom is coming and showing that it's marked by this new creation where he gives us strength and life. You know, Paul gives his own testimony in 2 Corinthians 4 when he speaks of being bruised in different ways. But he says this, um, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down by not destroyed. Right. In this life, we, we do get bruised. Paul, Paul is acknowledging this is a life of suffering. Right. And, mm. and he's experiencing that. He's not minimizing that. But if we belong to Jesus, we're not utterly broken on the ground, left to ourselves, right? Destitute. But Jesus is there to preserve us. And that's just the hope that we have as Christians, right? That it's ultimately not us holding our lives together in every season, but it's Christ. And he is the one who is upholding us. Mm -hmm. It's so good. We've talked about that first illustration there, the bruised reed. What about the other one? A faintly burning wick Mm -hmm. he will not snuff out. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a parallel statement there of showing uh, Jesus's care uh, for the hurting and that faintly burning wick. He will not quench, you know, imagery really speaks of those who are kind of barely hanging on in life, like a like a candle towards the end of its life that has little power left. Maybe the wick is short and there's just a few sparks of life there. Mm. Well, Jesus doesn't come to that faintly burning wick and just, you know, snuff it out, blow it out, and move on to the next one, right? But he is, again, one who gives renewed strength and power. You know, he is the one who trims that wick, pours oil on it, Mm. fans it back into flame so it burns bright for his glory again. And that's just such good news for us. Um, I know as a pastor and just as a Christian, uh, there's been times where, you know, I feel like discouraged sometimes when you want to just throw in the towel, not only ministry wise, but sometimes just in following the Lord, you're like, it's just too hard, right? Fighting my <laughs> sin, um, you know, struggling again with particular issues, mm-hmm. whatever they might be. And, and God has shown himself faithful to 
to take my faintly burning wick of a heart and to fan it back into flame. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for how I've seen that in the church and how God has done that for his flock in different situations. You know, that's the servant of God who came during Advent, this one who would, you know, fan into flame the faintly burning wicks of his people who are calling out to him and crying out to him in faith. That's right. I love that. And we, we see Jesus in his earthly ministry actively showing mercy to those who are just hanging on for life and have already kind of been cast out by society. One example is in Mark chapter 10, right after Jesus declares, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then we hear the story about Bartimaeus, a blind beggar who was sitting alongside the road. And Mark says that when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was walking by, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. The way I picture that is the crowds there trying to basically snuff out his faintly burning wick. Yeah. You're not worth Jesus' time. Yeah. You know, he has more important things to do. Mm. Like, get out of the way. You're just a faintly burning wick. Yeah. Be quiet. Mm. But he cried out all the more, Mark says, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did Jesus do? Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Go your way, Jesus had said, your faith has made you well. And then the blind man, now with recovered sight, follows Jesus in his way, which is beautiful. And kind of connected as well to Isaiah, this passage, where we hear that the servant of the Lord will open the eyes that are blind. That's right. Just a beautiful example of how Jesus did this in his own personal ministry. You mentioned a few also in your sermon, Pastor Daniel. Mm. Any that stand out? Yeah, one of the ones that I mentioned was from Mark 9, and it was that account of a father who had a demon-possessed child. He was a faintly burning wick in, in the sense that he struggled to have total faith in Christ's healing power over his son, right? And we could sympathize with that, right? In this world, really trusting Jesus for something. Mm. And he said to Jesus those words, I believe, help my unbelief, showing that you know, this side of heaven, in many ways, that's that's all of our faith. It's never a perfect, total faith that we have in God. It's often a faith that's mixed with some doubts or, or mixed with some kind of sin um, in our own hearts. But Jesus comes to this man and he heals his son. You think also of the disciple Thomas when he struggled to believe that Jesus was actually raised from the dead, right? Again, doubts. He was a faintly burning wick in that way. Jesus came and he accommodated to him. He, he allowed him to touch him. And to see for himself, right, that he is indeed risen from the dead. That's the heart of Jesus and those examples that you mentioned as well that just show his compassion towards his people. Mm. That's so encouraging, so helpful. Because often, as you've mentioned, I myself have doubts or troubles in my faith at times feels weak. Mm -hmm. And you might think to yourself, well, does Jesus still accept me and love me with all these doubts and all these questions and this trouble that my heart has? And there is that man being honest with his doubts and also Thomas as well. And 
Jesus responded with healing, with power, with grace and love. This is the servant of the Lord that Isaiah spoke of, Jesus, for us, right? Mm -hmm. St. Augustine says that even though Jesus came to his own who persecuted him, Jesus did not break them, though as a bruised reed they had lost their integrity, and as smoking flax their light was quenched, he spared them, having come to be judged and not yet to judge. Which reminds us that uh, the first coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the servant of the Lord, was to save sinners, not condemn them. Uh, that's what Christmas is all about. As Jesus says in John three seventeen. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Uh, that's what this season of Christmas is all about, rejoicing in the salvation that the servant of the Lord has brought to us and for us. So there's so much good news and hope here. The servant of the Lord came to bring hope to the nations, and we've received that hope by faith in Jesus as well. And so this is a very comforting passage. Now, Pastor Daniel, how might this passage here correct us? How is it correcting you yourself? Hmm. That's a great question. You know, I think we could be reminded that as the church, you know, we're we're in union with the servant of the Lord if we trust in Jesus by faith. And so if we're in union with Jesus and and and, and living and abiding in him, then the things that we see that characterize this servant should also characterize us as Christians and as a church. It should characterize me. You know, Jesus would even say after he washed his disciples' feet, right? A, a servant is not greater than his master. If you know these things, right, to, to wash and serve one another, blessed are you if you do them. And so I think when we look at this servant song, we could, you know, think about how we are to reflect the heart of Jesus towards those bruised reeds and faintly burning wicks that God places in our midst, whether they be our children or a family member or a friend or a loved one in the church. Uh, we want to be a church that has a culture of loving the hurting well, right? We want to encourage those who are timid and weak in the faith. Uh, we want to bear patiently with those who, you know, stumble and fall and, and fall in maybe into the same sins again and again as we watch over ourselves. And, you know, this um, this kind of heart should, should mark me as a pastor, right? The same heart that Jesus has. And, you know, by God's grace should mark us as a church. Yeah, um, that's not necessarily the, the typical tendency or disposition that we have towards weakness. Sometimes we we ignore it or we want to push it out of the way like they did to that blind beggar. But Jesus would invite us to go to those who are weak and needy and by the power of the Holy Spirit, seek to build them up and mend them and heal them as he has done for us. That's right. And this you know, text also reminds us and reminds me that, that God is worthy of total worship during this Advent season, right? Um, right on the heels of this text concerning the servant of the Lord in verse 10, in light of these things, after God declares a new thing, he tells us, sing a new song to the Lord, right? His praise from the ends of the earth. And when God works in the scriptures, new songs burst forth that declare his glory and grace for that new act of salvation. As we look at what God has done in sending the servant to us, and we meditate upon the person and work of Christ, not only from Isaiah, but from all of the scriptures, we're to, we're to give to the Lord praise, right? Total praise and worship, unashamed, acknowledging and declaring his greatness among the nations and singing with joy in our hearts to the servant who has come. 
That's great, Pastor Daniel. Now, what are some practical takeaways for different kinds of people in our congregation as You know, this text hits so many of us, um, people who are on the fringe. Maybe it's, you know, some of our listeners who are at church, but they're not really, you know, actively a part of the body in different ways because, you know, maybe maybe it's difficult for to be around people. Maybe they have been bruised and hurt in different settings in their life, maybe even by the church. Uh, But this text calls us to remember and behold Jesus and who he is. Um, people will fail us and even churches at times will let us down, but but Jesus doesn't. And we're called by faith to keep clinging to him and even clinging to his body here on earth where he's promised to meet us, to fortify us and to strengthen us. So, you know, I think of people on the fringe in that way that they would continue by faith to run to Jesus and be part of his body to receive that that strength and that life that he promises to give to us in our time of need think that another category that sometimes we could overlook in the church is uh, covenant children. I know at times, even in my own sinful heart, it's hard to give attention to my own kids that they deserve and and Mm -hmm. to kids in general. Jesus had time for that blind beggar. Jesus has time for our children, right? He he welcomes them to himself. And sometimes they're the the faintly burning wicks that God has placed before us because they have their questions and their doubts and they struggle, right, because they, they need to be shepherded in their hearts as they grow. And this is a text to remind me um, and to remind our children that they are precious to Jesus, that Jesus has time for them and blessing for them and strength and life for them as they continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of what he's done. So those are two that come to mind. What about for you, brother? Yeah, I also think of the seasoned saints in our congregation and also the shut-ins, those who might be currently bruised by the aches and the pains of old age. Christ is a sympathetic servant for you as well. You who are isolated and lonely know that Christ is not limited in his ability to help you in your time of need. Just cry out to him, to your sympathetic Savior, and by the presence of his Holy Spirit, he will bring you comfort through his word. And so know that he is there with you. He has not forsaken you. And he will not break you or snuff you out. He will keep your faith alive until the very end. Also, we might think of the fact that we're a cross-cultural church. And so this passage calls us to love those who are different from us in the culture. In order to minister to the hurting, bruised reeds of Jesus's day, he crossed social and ethnic barriers in order to meet people in their need, the lepers, the Samaritans, even Gentiles as well at times, uh, from a different culture and ethnicity entirely. And it's easy to love those who love you and to love those who don't require much sacrifice on your part. But if Jesus took the time to sacrificially care for those who are different from him, even his own enemies, even those who were willing to crucify him, But we are called to reflect the heart of our Savior in our own day, to love those who are different from us, who might despise us for being Christians. We are called to bless them, not curse them, and to love them as Christ has so loved us. Mm -hmm. Pastor Daniel, how might we do that on a very, very practical level in our own church? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I think after the service or even before, we're kind of tempted, I think, at times just to go to the people that we're comfortable talking to. But I would encourage our congregation and Christians in general to take time to deliberately seek out the the people who are on the fringe, maybe the people who walk out the door quickly, 
maybe the people who are very different from you um, culturally, to seek them out and to um, have a conversation with them. Maybe even pray that God would open your eyes to, to see a faintly burning wick in the congregation, right? Someone who's maybe struggling or overwhelmed with circumstances and to give you the words to speak, a word of strength and blessing uh, to fortify your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's one of the reasons we gather for worship is that we might encourage one another daily, right? So that we're not hardened by, by the deceitfulness of sin. So I think um, asking God to give you those eyes to see the hurting and to be willing to go and to meet that need on Sunday is a great blessing. To take it a step further, perhaps, if if you, um, you know, would open your home and continue to invite people in from the church or even from the community to love them well by showing hospitality and care. I mean, these are things, again, that reflect the heart of Jesus here who put this kind of love and care into action as he fortified those that he loves. And so would encourage you as a Christian to do the same in that way. That's so good. It reminds me, some time ago, I heard a pastor say that we need a kind of change of disposition to have the mindset of Christ that when we enter into church or enter into a place where other people are, instead of thinking, okay, here I am, now everyone look at me and uh, try and draw attention to yourself, instead entering in through those doors and asking yourself who here is in need of a word of encouragement to be built up and strengthened. Like you said, who here is a faintly burning wick that needs to be kind of ignited and fanned into flame and even praying, Lord, help me, give me the, the discerning eyes mm-hmm. to to seek and to find those who are hurting, bruised and in need of healing. And we do have power to heal others, uh, the power of God's word and the good news of the gospel. It really does bring comfort. Mm-hmm. And we, if we all had that disposition, it would be a beautiful thing. Beautiful, yeah. Now, in what ways, Pastor Daniel, does this text give us a bigger and better understanding of who Jesus is for us? Well, again, we see his humility and we see his sympathy that he has towards us. Um, this text reveals in many ways his heart towards his children and those that he loves. Um, but this text also reminds us that, you know, in this Advent season, you know, only this servant of the Lord Jesus Christ can bring true justice and lasting peace into our culture, into our world. And we just need to hear that time and time again as God's people because we are tempted to just look forward to the next politician or policy change or, you know, something earthly to bring about the stability and the security and comfort that our hearts are longing for. But God is telling us again to behold his servant, Jesus, and to recognize that the hope of the nations is found in him and to receive that, right? Even now he brings us peace and he brings us stability. He brings us reconciliation with God. And he will continue to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven until the day that he comes again and consummates that kingdom. And so, again, we're given a big view of Jesus and his kingdom and what he's doing, uh, even in this first servant song. Yeah, that reminds me of a passage earlier in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7, a famous Christmas text. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And when Jesus came into this world and when he began his earthly ministry, he was declaring, 
repent and believe in the gospel for the kingdom of God is at hand. And first that king came in humility and sympathy to die in order to forgive us our sins and restore us back to God in relationship with him and peace with him. And he is coming again to judge the living and the dead and to establish the fullness of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we celebrate the first advent of Christ, his first coming, we're also mindful and praying that he would hasten the day for his second coming to bring that full peace and justice of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, Pastor Daniel, lastly, which verse would you recommend we commit to memory from this passage? Our listeners could probably guess, but I'm going to highlight again verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Well, beloved, we hope that as you've listened today, if you've been feeling bruised, or if you feel like a faintly burning wick, that you have been reminded that Jesus will not break you, and he will not snuff you out, but that he is sustaining you by the power of his Holy Spirit and according to his promises. And we thank you for listening. As always, we look forward to bringing you another Midweek Musings next week, Lord willing.